Are you ready for round two? Can you handle two haymakers in one day? All right, because I'm two haymakers in one day. We're going for it. We ready for that? Man, I'm excited. I hope you're already in Matthew chapter four. We are in our fresh fire series, a series on renewing the fire that we have for God. And we're working on doing those things, and we're actually boiling down to the last couple of sermons in this. I am so sad, but I'll have series on deck for the year, so do not be in despair because we got some stuff going on this year and I'm really excited for. But fresh fire, right? We're talking about renewing the fire in our lives so that we can renew the fire in our church, so that we can renew the fire where? In our communities and in the world. You have to, you have to, you have to do it with me, right? Ourselves, then church, right? then community, then world. So let's go. So renewing the fire in our, so that we can renew the fire in our, so that we can renew our fire in our, then we can renew our fire in the, oh yeah, church, y'all are on it, all right? We're trying to renew that fire, right? And it's important that we grow as a body, um, not only in our church, but important as we grow as a body in the world, but it all starts where? Here, with you, with me, working on our own, individual walks and so that we can do that doing everything that we can <clears throat> puberty doing everything that we can to continue to grow right because if you're not if you're not growing you're dropping there is no coasting as a Christian remember that you can't just be like oh I'm gonna take the day off today and so I'm gonna be good I'll just pick up where I left off tomorrow no if you stop you drop right if a plane is in the middle of the air and it's flying 587 miles an hour and it turns the propeller off and says, we're just going to coast for a little bit. Well, you think you're coasting downward, all right? All right, it's not going to go, it's not going to go well. Same thing applies to you as a Christian, all right? Make sure that you are working on growing individually so that we can grow as a church, so that we can grow as a community, so that we can grow as a body in the world, all right? Matthew chapter 4. This installment of the Fresh Fire series, we're going to talk about, first we talked about hungering after God, right? And how it's important for us to get close to Abba. Much like how Demetrius and Derek are scooted up real close to their daddy right now, right? Scoot up real close to them. And you need to get close to God. Scoot up close, right? Scoot up close next to God. And we talked about hungering after righteousness and why it's important for us. Because remember, you can't be, you're not perfect and we never will be perfect. But the Bible says what? You need to have a broken and a contrite heart. Meaning what? Every day you should be doing your best, right? Trying to just grow. It takes time. You move slowly, but you grow as a Christian, right? You need to be pursuing righteousness, all right? Today, um, today we're going to be talking about pursuing or hungering after the word. We're going to talk about hungering after the word. We, we read that verse in Matthew chapter 4, verse 4, which says, he answered, Man shall not live by bread alone, but by every word that proceedeth out of the mouth of God. Man, bread alone, right, your physical sustenance, but you need spiritual sustenance as, to grow as a Christian, right? So if you are not eating your food, and look, I'm skinny, but I can put it down. You know what I'm saying? I can, I can, I can eat. If I don't eat, what's going to happen? I'm going to starve. I'm going to be malnourished, and I'm going to eventually die. If I don't eat spiritually, I'm going to be malnourished, and I'm going to spiritually die. Hey, let me remind you that when Adam and Eve died in the, in the garden, it was twofold. He said, if you eat of this fruit, you'll surely die, right? The first one was a physical death. You now start the, you now start the clock to where the button is pressed, and now you are on a downward slope. Eventually, you will pass away. But they also died a spiritual death. 
Make sure that you're not someone that is also, that is not spiritually malnourished to where you are dying. Because look, your exoskeleton may look good, but internally decay. Be careful about that. So we're going to talk about how to do some patchwork, right? How to do some patchwork, how to grow um, uh, through the word because the word is important. What I intend to do is talk about why the word is important. And, and then I want to talk about um, why it's vital for us to use. And then we're going to be, then we're going to be done today. Okay, so we started off in Matthew chapter 4. Hold your place there. We'll come back to it. But turn over to 2 Timothy chapter 3. Timothy go to the pastoral epistles. The pastoral epistles. 2 Timothy chapter 3. And look at verse 16. All right? Verse 16. 2 Timothy chapter 3, verse 16. And it says, All scripture is given by inspiration of God and is profitable for doctrine, for reproof, for correction, for instruction in righteousness, that the man of God may be thoroughly furnished, perfect unto all good works. Or perfect, that he may be thoroughly furnished unto all good works, right? What does that mean? That's a lot of words. We're going to break it down, and we're going to talk about why the Bible is important. Why is it important for you as a Christian to make sure that you are reading your Bible? What does the Bible have in it that makes it so big of a deal that you must be in it every single day? Why is it important? Because let me talk, let me tell you, let me give you this precursor before I get into that. If you think church on Sundays is the only thing that you need for the week, you're probably in spiritual decay. If you're waiting just to get a little dose of Jesus, like a shot, on Sunday and Wednesday, you are probably in spiritual decay. You are probably decreasing as a Christian. Brother Xavier, that's hurtful. I'm not trying to hurt you, baby. I'm trying to, I'm trying to help you. I'm trying to help you. If you are, because why? Because you have to understand that Although church is important, and you need to be, the Bible says not to, not to forsake the assembling of ourselves together. It's important for us to have that good godly fellowship, to see Brother Gary smiling face every Sunday. It is important for us to have that, and that, that fellowship and that growing and that sharpening of each other. What's more important, y'all hear me, church? What's more important is that you spend time in the word. Brother Xavier, what's important? I'm about to do some cross-referencing for you. Ready? 1 John chapter 5, verse 7 says this, and there are three that bear record, the Father, the Word, and the Holy Ghost, and these three are one. Then John 1, 1 says, in the beginning was the Word, and the Word was with God, and the Word was God. Verse 14, and the Word became flesh and, we, and dwelt among us, and we beheld his glory, even the glory of the only begotten of the Father. The Jesus is the Holy Spirit. So if you're spending time, you listening to me, y'all? You're spending time in the Word, you're spending time with God. All of him. There is no way to get closer. You want people to say, I don't understand God. I don't understand the Bible. I don't understand these different things. But let me talk, tell you this. There have been times where the most that I've seen God work within me is when I was spending time in his word. When he was speaking to me. And, and I remember this. I remember I was having a really hard time in college. And I was doing my devotions and nothing normal. You may be able to uh, abnormal, but you may be able, be able to attest to this. But I was just doing my regular devo devotion plan. Actually, Miss Cassie, we were talking about this today, how things just work in sequence. And I was there, and I had a rough day. And I can tell you that I'm, I can be sentimental at times, but I'm not a crier. You understand? I can be sentimental, but I'm not a crier. If I cry, it means it, it took a lot for me to do so. And I was just having one of those days in college. I mean, my workload was crazy. I was taking like 10 classes. I was working 17 hours a week. I was having a, my plate was full. I had all these different things going on. I was just exhausted. I was exhausted. I was tired. Um, I was worried about my college bill, all those different things going on. And I got into my room, and I was emotional. 
I didn't even turn my light on. I was in, I was in the dark. We had our hallway light on, but I didn't have my room light on. I just, I was in the dark. I said, I'm just going to pick, something said, just pick up your Bible. And when I did that, Brother Gary, it, I opened up to the, just the next chapter that I was supposed to read, and it said that God dresses the lilies of the field. How much more than he'll take care of you if a sparrow falls from the sky? Won't he? Look, I would have never known that God is watching me like that, that God's got me under control like that, like God's got things taken care of like that if I didn't know it where? In his word. Spending time in his word and seeing him, the promises that he doesn't just have, but he has for me, for me, for you. It's important. So let's look at it real quick in 2 Timothy 3.16. We're going to break this, this down, and we're going to talk about why, and you're going to see all the reasons based on this one verse on why it's so important, why it's so important for you to be able, for you to be in that word every day. What, do you, what are you missing out? All right? Um, 2 Timothy 3.16, the first thing they are going to find is that it's from the mouth of God. It's from the mouth of God. You know, the Bible says the only thing that has the power of God is his what? Who knows it? His word. The only thing that has this power, that has my power, as much power as my name, is this. The inspired word of God. The word inspiration literally translates to, right? Because every, um, what does it say? 2 Timothy 3.16, I just quoted it and now I forgot all of it. Um, all scripture is given by inspiration. Now, when we think about that word inspiration, you think, oh, I was inspired to do this masterpiece. Oh, what's up there? All right? I was inspired to do this masterpiece. I was inspired to write this song. Not the same kind of inspiration. The word inspiration there in the, Hebrew, in the Greek literally translates to God breathed. God breathed. All scripture is given by the breath. The out of the mouth of God. That's what it literally, that's how, that's how you fix it. And you have to understand is that the word, the word here is from the mouth of God. This is what the inspiration of God, of God is. What place to better hear the words than from the original source. Look, y'all are in here today with me. We had a good time this morning, amen? Just getting in the word. And I'm glad that y'all are here hearing a little old man like me preach. But I'm not the, I'm not the, I'm not the mouthpiece. I'm not the source. I, I am not the crux. I'm, I'm merely a messenger delivering to you what the word said. Someone said to me, someone said before, I am not the judge. I just communicate what the judgment. I am not the judge. I communicate what the judgment. And what I'm saying is, and, and, and what I'm saying here is that I'm glad that you are here and you're hearing the words come from me as I'm trying my best to articulate the word of God to you. But what you must understand is that there's no better place to hear it then from the source. Open up the word. And it's like this. Um, I've always grown up, y'all. I'm going to be transparent with you. I've always grown up and I've heard that the King James Version was the only version. It's the only version you should use, all this other stuff. Well, I want to see for myself. I want to see for myself. I, I was curious. I want to see for myself. I want to do a study. And I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to look into all these different versions. I'm going to see what all is going on. And so I was challenged to do my devotions from the ESV for a whole week. I said, all right, challenge accepted. I've been wanting to, do this, look, to study this stuff anyway. And to be transparent with you, it was a little bit easier to read. It was, a little bit, it was a little bit easier to understand, just a little bit. I spent that whole week, and I learned some things and all that other stuff. Um, but then that Monday came around. And guys, when I opened up my Bible... When I opened up my King James, y'all, I felt 
like power. It was weird. It was like I was reading it. It's like something just rushed. It was weird. I'm not into that, I'm not into that weird mysticism kind of stuff. But I'm telling y'all, the spirit was like, I'm back. You know what I'm saying? It, was, it just filled me. It was weird. And it was almost like a calm. Like It was like almost like I had an elephant. It was weird. It was just, it was just calming. I believe, that we ha- I believe that we have the best English translation. I believe that, I believe that look, people, this is my advice to anybody who, who hears this later. You think the KJV is so hard to read, you need to pick up a commentary. Study. You want to be spoon-fed. Stop being spoon-fed and study. Study. I'm going to leave that alone. It's another rabbit for another day, y'all. Another rabbit for another day. But the word from the mouth of God, I'm talking about, it's being, I'm talking about it's just, it filled me. What better place to hear? Look, it's good to read devotional books. It's good to hear commentaries. It's good to listen to podcasts. Somebody will listen to this podcast later. All right? Um, it's, it's good to hear preachers. It's good to go to, to conferences. But nothing is better than to hear the word from the source. Hear it from God. You want to meet with God? Go and spend time with him on your own, by yourself, in your secret place, and see what he says to you. See how that goes. People tell me all the time, and I was mentioning this earlier, but if you want to learn how to hear the voice of God, people ask me all the time, Brother Xavier, how do I hear the, word? How do I hear the voice of God? You need to get into your quiet place. Let's see your Bible real quick. Get into, your quiet, get into your quiet place, which means turn your cell phone off, turn the TV off, tell the kids to go play outside. Wait until, they're in, wait until they're asleep. You get alone with God with no distractions. And I'm telling you, nothing is more overwhelming than the small, still small voice of God when you're, in, when you're alone with him. Why do you think in Matthew chapter 5 it says, don't be prayerful and boasting about all these different things out in the streets. Go into your what? Who knows what it says? Your closet. Get alone with him. You want to hear the voice of God, he'll speak to you. And listen to me, there are some times when I'm praying and you may not know what, what to pray for. Anybody been there? You're just kind of stuck? Here's some advice, some free advice. Do nothing. Just sit there. Keep those eyes closed. Keep that head bowed. Just sit there. And med- meditate. I know we, med- the word meditate sometimes has a negative connotation because it's usually ascribed to mysticism and things like that. But if you just say, Lord, speak to me and just sit there and be quiet. One of the worst things, this is kind of weird. But one of, the, one of the things I kind of have to be prepared for is when I say, God, who needs prayer today? I'll be in the middle of praying. I'll be in the middle of praying for my wife, and Dominic will pop up. And while I'm in the middle of praying for Dominic, and then Brother Gary and Brother Crook will pop up. I'm like, oh, my gosh, I'm going to be here all night. You ask him and mean it, he'll meet with you. He'll meet with you. It's important to spend time on the word. Spend time alone with him. Why? Because you want to re- rekindle that fire. You want to rekindle that fire with God. It's important for you uh, to realize that you need to get it straight from the source. So many people want to hear from God, and so many aren't seeking him in the place where he speaks the most, and that's in his word. All right? So that's a precursor. Number two. Number two. Why is it important to get in the word? We want to we rekindle this, this fresh fire with fresh fire in our lives and we want to we have that hunger after the word, why is it important? Because it's, because it's profitable. Say, all scripture by inspiration of God is profitable. You just took it off while I was reading it? That's mean. That's mean. All scripture is given by inspiration of God and is profitable. All right, it's profitable. What does it, what does it mean to be profitable? It means that it, it, it has the ability to bring you gain. 
right? It has the ability to bring you gain. So what's it, why is it important? He says, okay, what's it profitable for? Number one, for doctrine. The word doctrine translates to learning, teachings, or belief. It translates to learning, teachings, or belief. Do you know how many, listen to me, y'all. I'm going to step on some toes. Forgive me, okay? It's all love, amen? Do you know how many Christians come to church for years and years and years and have no idea what they believe? We're talking about the word doctrine literally translates to learnings or teachings or a set of beliefs. So you're in church, and look, I'm glad if you get the encouragement. I walk into church every week, and I get a bunch of hugs and a bunch of encouragement, and, and I get to meet with friends I've longed to see all week, and that's been wonderful. And I'm glad you come here and you get edified, but what have you learned? You know about your faith. You may learn, you may learn some basic things, or you may learn different stuff like that, or quote a couple verses from memory, but what do you know? Do you know what you believe? You tell people you're a Baptist. Do you know why you're a Baptist? Something to think about. The Bible says that someone, the Bible says, Paul says in, in, his, um, in the word that we're supposed to transfer, transverse from being students of the milk, the milk of the word to being what? The meat, right? The meat, which means skill. you got to be skillful with the word. He says you have to be apt to teach. Skillful enough, but he says some of you guys aren't, you, some of you guys can't teach. Why? Because you don't know it well enough yourself. This is, not, this, is not a, this is not a condemnation or it's not, it's not trying to push you down. It's a charge for you to get into your word and get to know what you believe. Get to know what you believe. When I was in Bible college, we learned, we learned an acronym, and that basically really broke down the set of beliefs that we have here. And I'm, I'm going to talk about it briefly right now, but then I'm going to, I think after the Fresh Fire series, I'm going to take a day um, pending whatever happens next week and really dive in what is it that we're teaching here? What sets us apart? Because somebody will say, well, I'm Pentecostal. What's the difference? I'm non-denominational. What's the difference? What is it? What is it? So here's what, here's what we believe. A quick, a quick uh, overview, all right? The word, the letter B in Baptist, all right? Biblical authority. Biblical authority. Biblical authority literally means that the church is governed only by the word. The, the word of God is the authority that, that our church stands upon. Can I get an amen? Right? All right? A. Autonomy of the local church. What does that mean? We don't have a mother church. There's no church that we, there's no church that we answer to or, or, or that we have to give a report to. We don't have any of that. We are self-governing. The word autonomous literally translates to self-governing. We don't have a church that we have to answer to or we don't, Lord knows it's not the, it's not the Pope in Rome, right? All of that stuff. Autonomous, all right? So you have B, biblical authority. A, autonomy of the local church. Now listen, I'm teaching y'all some stuff. We have in Bible study, P, right? Priesthood of the believer. Priesthood of the believer. And what that means is just like Israel had a responsibility to do what? To usher in the, usher in the Christ, right? They dropped the ball. So Christ instituted what? Who knows? He dropped, Israel dropped the ball. The Jews dropped the ball, right? They did what? They crucified the Messiah. What came immediately after that? The church, right? So now the church has a responsibility to do what? Usher in the Messiah, right? You have a responsibility to spread the gospel, tell people about Christ. That is the priesthood of the believers. That's what we believe. And sharing the gospel, go out into the highways and byways and preach the gospel to every creature, right? Baptizing the name, of, baptizing them in the name of our Lord, right? So that's scripture, right? So biblical authority, autonomy of the local church, priesthood of the believer. T, two ordinances. We believe in two ordinances here. What is that? Who knows one? Raise your hand and tell me, brother Jonathan. 
baptism, right? Baptism how, Brother Jonathan? The word baptism literally translates as the Greek word, I can't say it right, but baptizo, which literally translates to immerse. We ain't sprinkling no babies in here, all right? That baptism has some water in it, and you getting dunked, son, all right? We're dunking you, right? It means to immerse, right? But when do, when, who knows, I'm, I'm just asking some questions. Who knows when you can baptize? Raise your hand. Someone tell me. Miss Tina. When you have received him in your heart. Why y'all baptizing babies if they ain't making no decisions? You know what I'm saying? Look, I ain't trying to knock nobody, but I'm trying to knock somebody. You understand what I'm saying? Look, the Bible says in Acts chapter 2, when the church was established, what did it say? It said that they were, that they, um, Five, uh, what, 5,000 people came and received Christ, and then after, them that received were what? Baptized when? The same day. Not, it was not, not pre, but after. You know what I'm saying? So we believe in two ordinances, baptism. All right, just a quick overview. What's the second one? Miss, uh, y'all are husband and wife, so y'all are a team. I'm going to give it to Brother Howard. The Lord's Supper. The Lord's Supper, right? Also known as communion, right? Now, they're quickly. Now, don't, if you don't catch it all, I'm sorry, but I'm going to go into detail and talk about these when, so y'all know what Xavier Small believes. Amen? I like you, Joshy. <laughs> the Lord's Supper. You have three different views of the Lord's Supper. You have transubstantiation, consubstantiation, and commemoration. Transubstantiation is the belief that you are literally eating the blood and body of Christ. Consubstantiation literally means that you are consuming bread and, and, and juice but as it goes down, it becomes the blood and body of Christ. Commemoration means that you are doing it as a picture of what Christ done. So which one do we practice here? The last one. What does the Bible say? As often as you do this, do this in. I don't even need to preach. Y'all got it. But we'll go into more detail about what those are, what churches teach those things. I look. I don't want you to just be in here. I look, I'm glad that you're here and hearing the word, but I want you guys to not only just know the word, but know some stuff. You know what I'm saying? Know what you believe. The Bible says in 1 Peter, I believe, that you have to always be ready to give an answer. And if you don't know what you believe, you can't give an answer. And if you can't give an answer, then that's going to hurt your testimony. You know what I'm saying? So I, my, one of my goals here, should you choose to vote me in, is I want to help teach you. And doctors did a fantastic job, by the way. He did a good job of teaching the word and teaching good practical lessons. What I want to do that's going to be a little bit differently is I would like to delve a little bit deeper into doctrine with you all so that you know what you believe and so that you can, look, I've talked to people that were from Nazarene churches. I've talked to atheists. I've talked to scientists. I've talked to, I can defend my faith up and down. And I want us to be a, I want us to be a good team that can do the same, to say, hey, I can show you in Scripture where this is right or where this is wrong. Be able to defend your faith. The word apologetics literally means a defense. I want to do some apologetics with you guys down the road. I want us to work on some other things first, but know that that's my goal. One of my goals is to help us grow as a body, right? So B, biblical authority. A, autonomy of the local church. P, priesthood of the believer. T, two ordinances, baptism and the Lord's Supper. I, individual soul liberty. Individual soul liberty. Not soul like S-O-L-E, but S-O-U-L. Individual soul liberty, which basically talks about that you have the freedom to come to Christ. We are not, you know, Calvinism, will, which is the biggest enemy, will teach that you're either, there's irresistible grace, which means that if God wants you to be saved, you'll be saved and there's nothing you can do about it. 
or that you're totally depraved. And if you're totally depraved, you're going to be damned to an eternal hell, and there's nothing you can do about it. We believe in individual soul liberty. Whosoever shall call upon the name of the Lord shall be saved. But God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten son, that whosoever believeth on him should not perish but have everlasting life. And we know that all things, not, to, all, not, not that verse, wrong, wrong one. Wow, just slipped me. 1 John 5.13, which we were quoting earlier, um, um, these things have I written unto you that you may know that you have eternal life and that you may believe on the name of the Son of God. So you have the freedom to come to Christ. No one's going to force you. No one's going to, you're not eternally damned to hell. You have the choice on whether you are going to come to Christ or not. Individual soul liberty. So B, biblical authority. A, autonomy of the local church. P, priesthood of the believer. T, two ordinances, baptism, Lord's Supper. I, individual soul liberty. S, saved baptized church membership. Saved, baptized, church membership. You want to be a member of Orlando Baptist Temple? What do you got to do? You got to be saved. You got to be baptized. In that order. In that order. Brother Xavier, aren't you saying that's a little bit strict? I'm talking about we're doing what the word says that we're supposed to do. You know what I'm saying? You get saved, you get baptized. That's how you become a member of our church. All right? And then the last one is two offices. Two offices. Who knows what the two offices of the Bible are? Anyone know? Can someone give me one? Brother Jonathan, you're back. Give me one. Oh, oh, look at you. You chose the, you chose the, the other route. Right? You chose the hard one. Deacon. The deacon. All right? The deacon is a, is a one. And, of course, what's the other one? Did you know that the word pastor is not used in the pastoral epistles? Did you know that? Who knows the words that they use? Anyone know one? The office of a, a bishop. And what's the other one? Mm -mm. Elder. Those are the two. All right? And then it talks about being a shepherd. Of course, in the word shepherd literally translates to no, the word pastor literally translates to shepherd, so it's a, it's a word that's synonymous, right? And so those, that's why you see some other churches maybe use elder so-and-so or bishop so-and-so, and it just literally just means pastor, right? But pastor is used in the Bible, which is not in that passage, but just, just an FYI. But we only practice two offices here, the office of the deacon and the office of, um, of the pastor. And, of course, we have trustees. Trustees are not a biblical mandate, but we saw that, we, where's, anyone know the first time that we saw that being introduced in the Bible? Trustees? Anyone know? Mm-mm. We see it way back in Exodus when Jethro, Moses' father-in-law, says, you need help. Remember that? He's, anyone, y'all know what I'm talking about? Brother Xavier, y'all looking at me like, huh? Jethro, Moses' father-in-law, says, you cannot run, because, I mean, he's, run, he's leading the whole nation of Israel by himself. So he institutes people that are able to help them to be accountability, to be able to handle stuff. So, so they handle treasury, they help with different things in the church, stuff like that. So much like a deacon, just not a ver not a de not exactly a deacon. You know what I'm saying? They basically can perform some of those responsibilities. But look, another thing for another day. Do you see why reading your Bible is important? That's a lot of information I just threw on you in five minutes. You know what I'm saying? So read your Bible, right? It's profitable for for um, for reproof. All right, or, sorry, for doctrine. All right, moving on. It's profitable for reproof. Reproof translates to convictions or evidence, all right? I'm going to let you guys know up front ahead of time, I'm not going to be preaching standards behind this pulpit. Not doing it. Not doing it. If you would like to know what my personal standards and convictions are, I'll be happy to tell you. But I'm not going to preach it. Someone tell me why they think I'm going to do that. Why, what's the case? Why would I not do that? Brother Xavier, that's a little taboo. Why wouldn't you preach standards? Someone tell me. What do you think? Don't be scared, Jackie. I want the Lord to work on your heart. Standards are important. 
Convictions are important. Do I have standards? Yes. Do I have convictions? Yes. Are there things that I stand by that I will not move or not change? That's absolutely right. But I don't want to because I've heard this before and it was one of the biggest turnoffs for me. Someone said this. I heard someone say that they believed in this because the pastor said. Eh, wrong. The Lord, I won't go into detail, but I remember my wife and I were talking when we were first dating. And she was asking me what I believed on such things. Do you want me to do this or do you want me to do that? And I was like, I'm not telling you. Remember that? He asked me and she'd get really frustrated with me. And I was like, why? I was like, number one, I don't want you to resent me and think that I, you're, doing, you're making this change for me and not for yourself. But number two, the Lord will show you in time. He'll show you. As you grow closer to him, he will show you the standards and convictions you need to develop in your life in order for you to grow the way that he needs you to grow. So when I talk about standards, yes. When I talk about convictions, yes. When I tell you what yours need to be, no. Because all scripture is, all pastor, no, all scripture is given by inspiration of God and is profitable for doctrine, for reproof, for you to develop those convictions within yourself that the Lord will teach you how to grow and be the kind of Christian that you are supposed to be. Do y'all understand what I'm saying? It's important for you to grow and say, okay, I'm going to develop these convictions in my life because the Lord wants me to, um, to do this way and the Holy Spirit will speak to you and have you to act accordingly, accordingly, all right? So we're moving on. Look, um, so it says, for all scripture is given by inspiration of God and is profitable for doctrine, for reproof, for correction, for correction. The word correction literally translates to a straightening up again, a rectification or a reformation, a reformation, being reformed, okay? Ref um, and that literally, I know that word's a little bit taboo, but hear me out, all right? Reformed as far as like being molded into the new person that Christ wants you to be, right? Behold, all things are passed away and all things become new, right? So in the process of becoming new, right? Is there anybody in here a perfect Christian? You better not raise that hand. I'll get you, right? We're not perfect. As a matter of fact, I fall often. I've been a Christian 14 years. I fall often. Hey, I've been ordained two years. I fall often. I've been licensed for five years. I've been, I fall often. That doesn't matter. What matters is that you understand that a just man falls seven times, and what happens? He gets back up. How do, well, correction is working in tandem with the fact that you're trying to grow and become as close to Christ as you possibly can. That means that sometimes you're going to relapse. Sometimes you're going to fall backwards, and you, sometimes that, that, that flesh is going to catch you on a weak day. By the way, temptation is not going to come that much when you're in a strong place. You understand that, right? When Satan tried to tempt Jesus, it was after he had fasted 40 days, 40 nights. He had no food. He had no water. He was weak. The Bible lets us know that Jesus was tired and weak at that place, and the devil thought it was his chance. That's what he's going to do. So sometimes he's going to catch you on a bad day. The flesh is going to catch you on a bad day, and you're going to mess it up. But I'm glad that the word says if we confess our sins, he is faithful and just to forgive us our sins and to cleanse us from all unrighteousness. He can make it right. But how do you know what correct is? How do you know what correct is? The word, what does the Bible say? We have not a great high priest who cannot be touched with the feelings of our infirmity. Brother Troy, but was in all points tempted like you and I are, yet without sin. Next verse. Let us therefore come boldly into the throne of, of, throne of grace that we may obtain mercy and find grace to help in a time of need. Philippians chapter 4 verses, or not Philippians, Hebrews chapter 4 verses 15 and 16. He says, hey, Christ was your example. He was tempted like you and I were, Brother Jonathan, and he was victorious. Therefore, you can go and stand before God and ask him for the help because his son already did what you can't do. Beautiful, isn't it? 
He says, hey, that correction, knowing what, knowing, being able to correct yourself. We sing that song. Search me, O God, and know my heart. Try me and know my thoughts and see if there be any wicked way in me and lead me in the way everlasting. That's actually scripture. So actually, if you want to look it up, that's, who knows what psalm that is? Anyone know? Huh? Who knows the psalm? Come on, church. I'm putting it on you. Psalm 51. That's after David sins with Bathsheba. They have a child. They're about to lose the baby. And he comes before God and he says, he says, God, search me. Search me, oh God, and know my heart and try me and know my thoughts and see if there be any wicked way in me and lead me in the way everlasting. And he's talking about that you can be just when you judge and all those different things. And he's saying, God, I want you to really correct me. You will not know what correction is until you spend time in his word and see what the example and the standard is. You know, we talk about, someone say, how does the Bible have all six, these 66 books? How does this, how does this come up? How do, you, how do you know what books went in there? There's a word called canon, and we'll talk about that. See, I'm, look, I'm going to teach y'all some things. You're going to be able to defend your faith well with me, all right? There's a word called canon, and the word canon literally means a measuring rod or standard. And so the Bible has a, so there was a measuring rod or a standard by which the books of the Bible went into the Bible. But Christ is the canon for us. He is the standard or the measuring rod in which we must live up to. Brother Xavier, you're saying I have to live like Jesus? Like, I'm not perfect. I can't be Jesus. I'm not Jesus. No, but you're made in his image. You're made in his image. Check this out. Genesis chapter 1, verse 26, he says, let us make man in our image after our likeness. By the way, who's God talking to in that time? The whole trinity is present. You know, the Bible says that Jesus Christ has created. Look, look, I'm telling you, we're going to learn some things together, church. We're going to learn some things. You have, you are, listen to me. When you got saved, that's what we have to understand. Salvation, Brother Billy, salvation is not just saying a prayer real quick. Salvation is something that you carry with you in the whole process of sanctification. The reason why you can overcome your struggle with Brother Dominic is because the gospel has already set you free. You don't say, oh, i got to get delivered. No, you've been delivered. Those chains are broken. Christ paid to have you released from your bondage on Calvary. You just got to claim it. Walk in it. Walk in the light as he is in the light. So correction, it's important for you to have this correction, and we have to know what the correction is. What is the proper way to walk and the proper way um, to address these different things in your life? You got to know what correct is, the canon, the measuring rod. That's the man, Christ Jesus. Amen? All right. So correction, all right? And then for instruction and righteousness, all right? Instruction and righteousness. How to better walk in the light than to read about the one who walks in the light eternally. As a matter of fact, he is the light. Check this out. Some of y'all may not have caught this, but the Bible says in the beginning was the in the beginning, God created the heavens and the earth, and the earth was void and without form, right? And God said what? Let there be light, and there was light. But did you know that the sun, moon, and stars, Miss Cassie, wasn't even created until day four? Yeah, I read that a million times. I never caught that. Let there be light, and it was so. And it was after that, three days later, actually, that he creates the sun, the moon, and the stars, which emit the light that we're talking about that you need. God was a light. It was the only light that they needed. I believe we won't be a sun in heaven. I believe God in his glory will emit enough of that aura to light the whole expansive place. Isn't that beautiful? 
walk in the light. Why? Because walk in the light as he is in the light. That's the example that we have. You want to learn how to be righteous? I w- and look, it's going to be fun, y'all. When we get done with the Profile and Praise series, we're supposed to be done with it today, but God brought, had some other things in mind. But next week, we're going to start the Profile and Praise. And then after whatever happens next week, then what will happen is we're going to start a new series, and I'm going to teach you through the book of John. We're going to walk through the book of John. And people ask me all the time, Brother Xavier, what, what is it, where should I start in my devotions? I'll tell you three places. All right, who knows one? Psalms, Proverbs, and John. Psalms is because, I, believe, I love Psalms because it shows a trans, David is my favorite Bible character. And the reason he's my favorite Bible character is because he's, he, is because he's so human. Like he falls, David falls a lot. If you read the life of David in the, in the, in, um, in the books of Samuel and um, hear his records and the Chronicles and Kings and, and see what he was going through in Psalms, David was going through it seemingly all the time. But David had a gorgeous job. Who knows what David's nickname is? The man after? I believe that's, I believe that's Dooley. We think, we think that, oh, that may mean, okay, he's actually like in the image of God's heart. But I think it also means pursuit. David was always in pursuit of God. Whenever David struggled, you never see, you ne- you never see David in the Bible make excuse for his actions. You never see it. Psalm 51, when, not Psalm 51, but I remember when Nathan the prophet comes to David and says, David, because David was a what before he became a king? A shepherd, right? So Nathan the prophet comes to him and he says, David is a man, and this man was a rich man, and he had a lot going on. He had a ton of sheep, he had a ton of property, he had a ton of all these other stuff. And there was a man, a next door neighbor that he had, that only had one little itty baby sheep, and he loved that sheep. I love that sheep. I love, he said he has one little baby sheep, and he loved that sheep, and he, it wasn't even food for him, it was a pet. And that rich man was throwing a party, Brother Dominic, and he went over to his neighbor's yard and took that sheep and slaughtered that sheep and used it for his guest when he had all these. And, of course, that made David fighting mad because David was a shepherd. He can relate. He said, who's that man? He'll pay fourfold for what he did. And Nathan said, thou art the man. You know what David did? David mourned his sin. He asked God, you know, if it be your will to save, your, save my child and all these other stuff, but that's when Psalm 51 comes in, and he's saying, God, I've messed up. You know what's funny? If you think about David's life, when David did that, David hurt Bathsheba, he hurt that baby, he hurt Absalom, he hurt Tamar, he hurt all of his kids, That all he hurt a lot of people. He hurt Uriah, who was killed, when he tried to cover his sin up, all that other stuff. And you know what David said to God? Against thee and thee only have I sinned. Blew me away. David, you hurt like nine people, bro. <laughs> he said, against thee and thee only have I sinned. He's talking to the Lord. You know what he did? He took responsibility for his actions. I love Psalms because it's practical. And it teaches us, how, teaches us how to deal with not only hurt, but the pain and the consequences of our sins, the understanding that God forgives sin, but he doesn't forgive consequences. And a lot of those different stuff, and it helps you to be, have a good round view. Psalm or Proverbs is just wise. A bunch of wisdom. A bunch of wisdom. And what's funny is it's so hard to construct. It's hard to teach through Proverbs because he covers a new topic almost every verse. He talks about, but it's wise. There are a lot of Proverbs that are used today in life that were extracted from, from Proverbs. They need to give credit, thieves. And then you have the book of John. And I picked the book of John because 
what you find out is that you have four Gospels, right? Matthew, Mark, Luke, John. Matthew, Mark, and Luke all complement each other. But the book of John is 92% distinctive from the other three Gospels. What does that mean? 92% of the information in John is not found in anywhere else but John. And guess who it covers? Jesus. You want to get to know, you want, you want to get to know Christ? You want to get to learn about instruction and righteousness? That's why John's important. Reading the book of John because it talks about the life of Christ, how to know him, how to be more like him. And we're going to have a fun time working through that book, church. We're going to have a fun time doing that. That's going to be one of my plans for Bible study, right? And so you have these different, you have these different things that are coming up, so instruction and righteousness. And so it's important. It's vital for the Christian. Let's look back at Matthew chapter 4, verse 4, and then we're about to get out of here. Matthew 4, verse 4. I'm teaching y'all a lot of information I need to share with you. I have a lot of information you need to read. Because, look, we want that fresh fire, right? Can we get Matthew 4, 4 back up here, Brother Johnny? Fresh fire. You want to have that, uh, this series on renewing fire that you have for God. It's important. We're going to look at these, this real quick. We'll cover a few things, and then we'll be done. Matthew chapter 4, verse 4 says, But he answered and said, It is written, Man shall not live by bread alone, but by every word that proceedeth out of the mouth of God. It is vital, number three, it is vital for your survival as a Christian. It is vital for your survival as a Christian. Say it with me. It is vital for your survival as a Christian. Matthew 4, 4. You know what the Bible says? This book of the law shall not depart out of thy mouth, but thou shalt meditate day and night, that thou may observe to do according to all that is written therein. For then thou shalt make thy way prosperous, and then thou shalt have good success. Meditate. Spend time in the word. It's vital for your survival as a Christian. We talked about it before. If you don't eat, you're going to be uh, physically malnourished, but you will be spiritually malnourished also if you are not spending time. Listen to me. We got some bulimic Christians out here starving themselves, anemic Christians. You got to make sure that you understand that you have to be feeding yourself with that word daily so that you can be full every single day. Hey, church on Sunday? Yeah, read your Bible still. Church on Wednesday? Hey, read your Bible still. And look, and we'll talk about devotions and how to properly construct them. Look, I, I want to help you guys grow, all right? But listen to me, it's, it's quality over quantity. Some of y'all are trying to read a whole chapter of your Bible and you have no idea what's going on. In one chapter, they can cover anywhere between three and ten topics in a, ch in a single chapter. Break it down. If some Bibles, I'm, if you, some of y'all, look in your Bible real quick, you might see it. If you look at your verses, sometimes there's a little P next to it. Anyone have that in their Bible? There might be a little P in it. Look in there. See if anyone finds that in theirs. A little P? Anyone have it? See it? Some Bibles will have it to where there's a little P, and that little P stands for paragraph, paragraph symbol. That lets you know that it's covering a new topic covering a new topic. So if you have that Bible, that's great. Many of you guys, of course, don't. So don't worry about it. But sometimes it's just as good to read three verses that cover a topic that speaks to you. You can study out. Like, and by the way, that's a lot of reasons why people don't study the Word, because it's a whole chapter. It's 37 verses. I don't want to study 37 verses in one sitting. Then don't. If you only, if you only read five verses tonight but have a good understanding of it, to me, that's a, that's a quality and successful devotion. You know what I'm saying? So sometimes we think, oh, I've got to read a whole chapter today. Don't read a whole chapter. 
read a few verses. You've got to be able to build it up. You've got to be able to build it up. If someone's trying to, like, bodybuilders have to eat a lot of food, right? But sometimes you get full. Anybody here get full really quickly? You try to eat a lot, but you get full really quickly. You know how you do that? You gotta, to, in, order to, in order to build your stomach, you've got to overeat a lot. And what ends up happening? Your stomach does what? Expands. And now has a bigger capacity, right? Your spiritual stomach has to expand. Start small. Watch your portions so you can get what you need to get out of it. And then you, when you can say, okay, I'm not being fed like I was before, let me add some more verses and fill it. But you, you can't just do nothing. I know what it's like to be overwhelmed, and when you get overwhelmed, you just quit. I understand what that's like. But you can't afford that as a Christian. You can't afford it. you got to make sure that you are spending time in that word all the time. All right? You can't live by bread alone, but by every word that proceeds out of the mouth of God. It's important for you. It's important for you to make sure that you understand that you have to, you have to be eating. No skipping meals. I, in a room this size, there are people in here that are going to be spiritually malnourished. Start eating. Quit starving yourself. All right? Next week is going to be the last, the last installment in the Fresh Fire series. We're going to be talking about hungering after prayer. Can I be transparent, church? Prayer is the, is the weakest part of my Christian walk. That's <gasps> the weakest part. I know men and women that can spend hours in prayer. I don't know what it is, but it's something like, anybody ever try to just read your Bible, but you just don't want to? Anyone in here like that? You just don't feel like it. For me, prayer is like that. No matter how, I, what's, and what's crazy, I love meeting with God. I love spending that time with him. I love, I love, and I know that, when, I know that if I bow my head and close those eyes and say, dear Lord, I know he's going to meet me there. I know it. And he's spoken to me a lot. I've fasted and all those different things, and it's great. I've seen God do a lot of great things, but for me, it feels like work a lot. And I know that in loving God, I need to do it anyway. You know what I'm saying? And I know he's going to meet me there. It's almost like you go soul winning, and you don't want to knock on any doors. You don't want to talk on any. Something about soul winning that makes you feel uncomfortable. You know what I'm saying? It makes you just feel like, oh, I don't really want to do this. But once you get out there, you're glad you went. Had a good time and all that. I know it's just the devil. It's just the devil. And so I have to make sure that I am actively working on it. I'm actively working on it. Last the last installment in the Fresh Fire series, which we'll talk about next Sunday night, is we're going to talk about prayer and why you must hunger after prayer. First Thessalonians 5.17 says, pray without ceasing. If, any man let him, if anyone lack wisdom, let him ask of God, who giveth to all men liberally. Look, we're going to talk about prayer and why it's important. Prayer rains down fire, you feel me? We're going to talk about those things. So tonight was a little bit more teachy, but I just want to give you a taste of what's coming. Um, we got a lot of stuff to learn together. We're going to have a great time in the house of God, and, um, and, and we're going to grow. So um, if you bow your head and close your eyes, Brother Donnie, um, if you'll go ahead and just get some soft music playing so that people can come up to the, uh, and spend some time in invitation. This wasn't very a dynamic message to the church. Um, things, why it's important to get some things done and the, and the importance of the word. We covered a lot of stuff. But I hope, listen to me, and although... Although I study my Bible a lot, I don't know it all. So don't think that I do. I don't know it all. i got to study just like you do. Right? But, but it's important for us to realize also that we must spend some time.